tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Keith Williams of C5 out of Las Vegas. I had the privilege of interviewing him, oh boy, probably a year or so ago now. And if you're interested in hearing that interview with him, feel free to go to the communitycatspodcast.com. Just go into that search bar and put in Keith Williams or C5 and that first show will come up. But today we are welcoming Keith back and he's going to share with us lots of new stuff going on at C5. Hi, Keith. How are you doing today? Well, hello there, Stacy. I'm doing well. Great. Excellent. So do you want to share with us just a little snippet of C5? You're out of Las Vegas. Just a, a little sampling of what is it that C5 does? Well, C5 is a purpose-built industrial strength trap, neuter, and return organization trap, neuter, and return of the free-roaming cats is all that we do. Like I tell people, we don't rescue, foster, adopt. We don't do dogs, hamsters, gerbils, or goldfish. We trap, neuter, and return cats. That That is what we do. Very simple, very clear-cut. There's a, a phrase called focus, follow one course until success. And it sounds like that's what you're doing at this point in time. So, you know, here we are, we're several months into the whole coronavirus situation. How have things been happening with your organization with regards to coronavirus? The coronavirus, like everything else, had a tremendous impact on us. The spay-neuter clinic that we use, being a non-essential service, immediately shut down in the middle of March and stayed closed for two months. They just opened back up. This is about their third week back in uh, operation. The first two weeks, they did only ferals, and then they started doing some own pets. And this week, they're back up basically full speed with own pets and doing feral cats. So obviously, with no surgery capacity available, we uh, put everything on hold, shut down, got all of our traps cleaned and inventoried, you know, cleaned this and sorted that. And, you know, we were continuing to answer the phones and take projects in, but they, you know, they got added to the queue and, and waited till we came back online again. So can I ask you how long that wait list became? My oldest unclaimed project ended up being about three months old. When we shut down, the oldest project was less than a month old. And of course, you know, being shut down for a couple of months, that put it out to about three months old. So the list grew quite substantially. And I don't know how that translates into numbers of cats that were needing, you know, sterilization assistance. I don't know if you translated that into numbers or if it was just sort of cases. Yeah, currently, like I said, we have been trapping for a couple of weeks, so we, we've gotten through some of the backlog. But currently, my backlog is, let me see, about 400 cats. And at this point last year, would your backlog be more like half that? About half of that, yes. 
So I love it. I love the fact that you're like a data guy. So that's why I'm sort of picking away at you on your on your data. And for folks that are listening, we are recording this interview in June. So for perspective, because this will be replayed later on down the road. But I think it's great to understand sort of where you are sort of in the heat of the moment, because this is like the fast ramp up of what you're doing. And when you're out there trapping now, do you have certain precautions that you are asking the folks that are trapping the cats to do? Is the clinic asking anything particular of you? You know, are there new protocols for trapping? For trapping, we make, you know, masks available to the trappers, the, you know, hand sanitizers, that kind of stuff's available. Trapping tends to be kind of an individual kind of thing anyway. So from that end of it, said other than the normal masks and washing your hands and that kind of stuff, there's not really, hasn't been really any big change. The huge changes were at the clinic where, you know, they're going full PPE and massive precautions on things, which slows things down a bit, but they're still moving along just fine. So they've been able to sort of make some adaptions and get their numbers up to, you know, maybe not quite where they were before, but closer. But very close. Very close, yes. Well, that's great news because my worry at night, the thing that keeps me up at night is understanding how the spay-neuter clinics are going to make it from a financial standpoint because it's such a volume-based business. And so, you know, obviously the cost of the materials is important too. Your unit cost is important. But I think that I do worry that if you're at 50% capacity, sort of like the restaurants out there, if you're at 50% capacity, it's a really hard business model to make it be successful. So it's good news that they're up and running at a good clip. Have you heard anything about any other organizations or any other challenges from organizations sort of around the state or beyond? Yes. You know, we're not the only folks doing trap, neuter, return here in town, fortunately. Some of the smaller independent folks actually continued to trap through the shutdown. They contracted with private vets to do basically a handful of surgeries for them. The other big player is actually the lead shelter, the municipal shelter here. And like most everybody else, they completely shut down for that two months. But they are just now getting open also. They've just opened up their surgery clinic, and they're just starting to support the independent TNR trapper crowd. So that's good. That's very good news that there are others that are starting up. And I think it's good that, I mean, some people were trying to keep going even at a lower volume, but to try and keep trapping. I know that it's just been very challenging. And the list does build up, unfortunately. So it sounds like you do have a long list. Are are your volunteers, the folks that are with you, are they still engaged and your volunteers are still willing to go out and trap or are they worried about their safety or anything like that? Oh, yes. I mean, there obviously are concerns, but they were chomping at the bit, ready to get back to trapping. I've got 13 trappers right now with active open projects that they're working on. In fact, a little later in the morning, I've got uh, about 35 cats to take down to the spay-neuter clinic to get done today. Oh, my. Oh, my. Busy day. So A a normal day. It's not excessively busy. (laughs) So a normal day, which is good. I like hearing that that's a normal day for you. You know, we've had some conversations in the past sort of about, you know, why are you so focused on on trap, neuter, return? And for folks of us that might be new to trap, neuter, return, can you tell me why is it so important for your organization to be focused just on TNR? 
Well, the trap, neuter, and return capacity was the huge shortage. You know, there are groups that rescue and adopt and foster, and seems like every time you turn around, there's a new one starting up. But the capacity to get to the root of the problem and reduce the number of cats that need to be rescued, that's what went wanting. I'll get techno nerd on you here, but, you know, with our baseline population of cats of, you know, about 200,000, we're looking at as many as 400,000 kittens being born every spring. So you look at uh, how many people own cats and how long they live and yada, yada. There's a market for 20 to 30,000 pet cats here in the valley a year and 400,000 being born. As much as we would like to be able to rescue them all and find homes for them all, that's simply not possible. You know, there simply is no shortage. So, you know, we cannot rescue our way out of this, but we can sterilize enough cats so that the number of kittens born drops to a level that we can find homes for. You know, at this point, basically, we're playing musical cats. Okay, pick the cat that you want to rescue. Well, for every one you pick, there's going to be nine others out there that you can't rescue that are going to die. So if we want to actually fix this problem, rather than basically spending our time feeding animals into the pet trade, we have to think about this whole thing a little bit differently. And sterilization, spay-neuter is the way out of this. It, is, it truly is the only way out of this. You know, I'm not saying that because I focus on TNR. I focus on TNR because that is the reality, and that's what's actually going to make the biggest difference. So in the Las Vegas area, are you estimating 200,000 free-roaming cats? Is that your estimate, or is that owned and free-roaming? No, that is just free-roaming. There, there are probably that many owned on top of that. And that that's what I'm calling the baseline population. That does not count kittens. That's what the population will be January 1st, which is the time of year when there are the absolute fewest number of kittens on the street. Kitten breeding season starts the first warm spell in January, about the middle of the month. Two months later, middle of March, kittens start hitting the ground. By this time of year, the middle of June... There are the 200,000 baseline adult cats on the street, plus probably another two to 300,000, maybe 400,000 kittens. So just in a matter of a couple of months, the population actually doubles. And that is where I think a lot of our anxiety has been felt over the last couple of months when the clinics have been closed, is doing that, that math. And that math really scares us because we're having a hard time, hard enough time staying on top of trying to keep that maintenance level down. And I guess an interesting question, too, would be to ask, you know, looking at January 1st, how do we determine if that maintenance level has gone down or up in any way, shape, or form over time? I don't know if there's a magical answer to that question. 
Well, there is no magical answer. There are reasonably good answers. I like watching shelter statistics. It's basically a statistical sample of what's going on in the community. If you look at the number of stray cats that are being admitted, the number of kittens that are coming in, you can get kind of a feel for what's going on. You know, ideally, we want the cats, particularly stray cat admissions and the cat euthanasias to be going down in the the best way to drive euthanasia reductions is to drive admission numbers down. <laughs> and the best way to drive admission numbers down is sterilizing more animals. In 2008, when we started, our shelter was euthanizing about 18,500 cats a year, which is an incredible number. But with the focus TNR spay-neuter that we've been doing for the last 10 years, the number of cats that they're euthanizing is less than 2,000 a year significantly over a 90% reduction in the euthanasia, but that was driven by about a 60% reduction in the admissions. So by focusing on sterilizing those cats that are the most likely to end up in the shelter and their, their offspring the most likely to end up in the shelter, we, you can have a, a disproportional impact on those numbers. Providing a safe and nurturing environment is every cat caregiver's top priority. The American Association of Feline Practitioners understands your cat's natural behaviors and aims to supply you with tips and resources to help you provide the very best care for your cat. Join our cat community by visiting catfriendly.com and you can sign up for our newsletter. This website was designed to be a place where cat caregivers can receive credible and trustworthy information from veterinarians on a variety of topics just for cats. Learn ways to understand your cat's unique characteristics and behaviors, how to keep your cat healthy, and the importance of routine veterinary care. Did you know that August 22nd is National Take Your Cat to the Vet Day? Make sure you visit catfriendly.com to find out why it is important to take your cat to the veterinarian for his or her annual checkup. Get tips on how to make it a less stressful experience for you and your cat. You can also search for a cat-friendly practice near you. Don't wait. Visit catfriendly.com today. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Heaven Can Wait Animal Society of Las Vegas, Nevada. Heaven Can Wait was founded in 2000 with the goal of eliminating the senseless, unnecessary killing of cats and dogs in Las Vegas area shelters by focusing on the critical need for high-volume, low-cost, targeted spay and neuter surgeries for companion animals and free-roaming cats, as well as providing educational programs and adoption opportunities. In 2019, Heaven Can Wait reached the milestone of 150,000 spay and neuter surgeries. Their vision includes a focus on spay and neuter efforts and targeting neighborhoods from which a large number of animals enter the shelter system, creating opportunities for dogs to obtain a second and often times a third or fourth chance at a new lease on life, forming local coalitions with other animal welfare groups, animal control agencies, and community leaders, and educating target groups to raise awareness about responsible pet ownership. To learn more about Heaven Can Wait Animal Society, visit them at www.hcws.org. Do you struggle to find foster homes for your animals? Are you struggling to communicate with your fosters and keep track of what they need? Introducing Foster Space, powered by Dubert, where recruiting and communicating with your fosters just got a whole lot easier. Need a new foster for an animal? Simply create the foster request in Dubert and it will automatically send it to existing Duberteers and also post on your Facebook pages and groups. Need to communicate with your fosters? No problem. Dubert makes it easy to communicate via text with individual fosters or to get messages out to your different groups of fosters. 
Your fosters can even put in help desk style tickets for questions or supplies they need, and the Dubert system will help you keep track and stay organized. Check out Foster Space by signing in on your Dubert account today at www.dubert.com. Let me ask you a question also. You know, so many people are convinced that trap new to return doesn't work. We hear that across the board from, I'll say, the naysayers or whatever. What does it mean to be successful with TNR? If I'm somebody brand new, just starting out and trapping, I'm trapping a colony. What is it that I need to know in order to be most effective and do the job the right way? Well, TNR doesn't automatically work. Like anything else, it can be done well and effectively, or it can be done not well and ineffectively. You really have to understand the basic population dynamics of these cats. Trapping and sterilizing a cat, as good as it is for that cat in the big picture, really does not do very much. The basic reproductive unit for these cats is not the individual cat. It's the colony. The colony is, uh, you know, a matriarchal society whose purpose is to raise as many kittens to adulthood as they have the resources to do. Unfortunately, they have vastly more kittens than they have resources to raise. The mortality rate is frighteningly high. 50% to two months, 90% of the kittens born will not see their first birthday. So there's tremendous, tremendous oversupply of kittens born in order to maintain the population. So doing trap neuter return, you must, and I will repeat probably at least a couple more times, must trap entire colonies. If you trap every colony in town to 50%, yes, you will absolutely reduce the number of kittens born. But the resources available to raise those kittens to adulthood will be the same or perhaps a little more. So if you TNR'd half of every colony in town, which would be a tremendous effort and a tremendous amount of work, you would have made basically no difference to the overall population. In fact, you may have made your situation worse. However, having said that, that is the inefficient way to do TNR. And also it's the very common way to do TNR. Efficient thing to do is to focus on trapping entire colonies. If you go in and trap the entire colony, or at least 95%, those cats are still occupying the space. They are very still territorial. They're still eating up the food. However, they are producing no kittens. So over time, the mortality rate for adult cats is about 20% a year. Over time, the number of cats in that colony will drop off. Like I said, trapping efficiently, trapping entire colonies is the only way forward. At our peak, we were trapping us and the other groups in town, probably 4% of the cats in town a year on a yearly basis, but tightly focused on entire colonies. And we still tightly focus on trapping entire colonies. And by doing this, we reduced our shelter euthanasia of cats by 95%. Some of that change was, I will have to give the shelter credit, they made some enlightened changes and reduced the euthanasia some, but the vast lion's share of that reduction was because the admissions dropped by about 60%. 
And so they had other things to do with the cats rather than, uh, than euthanize them. But the big driver is getting entire colonies entirely out of the kitten business. That's great. That's excellent. Thank you so much for, for summarizing that. When you are training your volunteers to assist with trapping, is there a specific training protocol that you go through? Or is this something that we just like look stuff up online and figure it out? Oh, no, we have a training protocol. You know, we have our our basic process that we use. Each new trapper that comes on board, the first thing that happens is they get assigned an experienced trapper to work with. The experienced trapper will show them the ropes, you know, how we trap, our process for moving cats around, how we deal with the the colony caretakers, you know, our customers. So we have a fairly uh, rigorous training program. Once they're they're trained up, you know, most of the trappers uh, will operate on their own. They seem to be kind of an independent crowd. They like to do that. But, you know, they understand what the priorities are and what the real focus is, which is, you know, trapping entire colonies. And we trap four colony caretakers who, you know, are taking care of the cats around their homes or businesses where we have control over the feeding and legal access. You know, we're not allowed to trespass. I find it interesting. I want to acknowledge that C5 was a sponsor of the online kitten conference. And here we are, we're talking about ways to reduce the number of kittens out on the streets. But at the end of the day, that's what's important to all of us, which is what I used to coin the term creating a kitten-free zone, which is that was our objective. And I think that helped explain to people that, you know, we want to get every cat in the colony to help create that kitten-free zone. So if folks are interested in finding out more about C5 in Las Vegas, how would they find you guys? Well, we do have a website. It's uh, www.c5-tnr.org. And we've got information about our organization, how to, you know, you can shoot us an email, contact us, volunteer to join us. We are a 100% volunteer organization, including myself. So uh, finding new volunteers, particularly trappers, is a full-time job. Anybody who's into TNR knows that. And we, we are no exception. Recruiting trappers, I probably should do a... Uh presentation on that at the online cat conferences, you know, the best ways to recruit volunteer trappers, because I think that once you find some good ones, they're great, but it's hard to find folks that are really interested in that volunteer position. It is a tough job to do it properly. You know, you could be going back and trapping the same colony for three, four, five nights in a row. You know, you really need to get in, get it hammered, get it done which, you know, takes the time, the commitment of time. You know, the first night you would, if you have good control over the feeding and such, you would expect to trap half the cats at the location. The second night, about half that are left. And the third and fourth and maybe fifth night picking up those last few stragglers. But those last few stragglers are the most important ones. Those are the nights when you get the fewest cats, but they're the most important cats. You know, what we see far too often is TNR groups, they'll go into a colony, they'll trap one night, maybe two nights, and they'll get they'll get half the cats. They'll get the easy cats, but they're not getting the most important cats. 
they're trapped for two nights. They go to the next colony, they trap for two nights. They go to the next colony, they trap for two nights. And none of those colonies are ever finished. They're never out of the kitten business. So, you know, what we don't want to be as an animal welfare world is to simply be harvesting kittens for the pet trade. You know, harvest one and leave nine to die. That's not what we're in this for. I could rant for quite a long time about this, but no, we, we must be efficient. We must do things well, and that is serves the cats and the community and our needs the best. That was a wonderful statement. I think it's a, it's a great way to close out, but I just want to check with you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? For those of us who, those of, in the group that are down in the trenches and want to help, hey, there's lots of good work being done. Find a group that kind of coincides with your vision and get out and help. For those of us listening who are uh, a little higher up the food chain, you know, the presidents of small organizations, the people managing these rescue and adoption groups and animal welfare groups, don't forget spay and neuter. You know, I, I love the cute kitten stories. I love the rescue stories. I love the adoption stories. Those are so important. But make sure you're putting enough resources in to spay and neuter. Don't just tell me about the cute kitten you saved. Tell me about the mom that you spayed, because that is where the progress is really going to be made, is on the spay-neuter side of the house. And that's the side of the house that is just goes begging for resources. But like I said, that is where we're going to make progress, on the spay-neuter side of the house. Excellent. Keith, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with me today and for sharing with our listeners. Thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Maybe when your to-do list is all done, you can give us a call and let <laughs> us know. And, and that will be great. That will be a day for us all to celebrate. Well, hopefully, hopefully we talk again before my to-do list gets done because that... <laughs> But I'm, I'm more than happy to have spent time with you and talking to the folks out there and certainly looking forward to doing it again. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Wow.